0: Thank you for joining Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Again, I'm your show host, Kyle Lamb. It has been a busy few weeks, hasn't it? First, we had Ohio State-Penn State. Then the game, Ohio State thumping Michigan for a second straight season. Eight wins in a row now in the game. Ohio State-Wisconsin Big Ten Championship coming up on Saturday. College football playoff discussion. Oh, man, we got so much. And, yeah, by the way, That basketball team, Ohio State, I previewed it yesterday. The Buckeyes traveling to Chapel Hill tonight to face the UNC Tar Heels. That is the Big Ten ACC Challenge, the first of many huge matchups for the Buckeye basketball team. We'll talk more about Ohio State basketball. I already previewed this game yesterday. We'll recap the Ohio State-North Carolina game tomorrow and look ahead to many other matchups they have coming up this month. But today... So the playoff rankings are out, the newest rankings, and I think the committee spoke. And what they're saying is, Ohio State, if you take care of business this week, you are our number one team. I'll explain my rationale why I think it's a done deal if Ohio State wins, they should be number one and most likely heading to Atlanta for a Peach Bowl showdown against either Utah, or the winner of the Big 12. That'll be coming up here in a minute. I also have a Wisconsin-Ohio State Big 10 showdown preview. Asher Lowe, host of the Lock On Badgers podcast, will be here with me. We'll look at this game from every single angle. Do the Badgers have any injuries to speak of? The motivation angle? Uh, trying to beat a team a second time in a season? We'll get into all that with Asher coming up in the second and third segments. Locked on Buckeyes is brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. Also, thank you to support by GoBus. Ohio's rural intercity bus system can bring you to Columbus for Ohio State sporting events with over 40 stops to locations across the state. Check them out at ridegobus.com. As always, Your Locked on Buckeyes podcast can be found on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including, but not limited to, Apple or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply say, play the Locked on Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers. Follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Buckeye. The penultimate college football playoff rankings were released on Tuesday as they customarily have been no surprises here. Ohio state is still number one LSU. Number two Clemson, number three and Georgia number four. Also not surprising, at least to me, but I know there had been some speculation. Utah is still number five holding off Oklahoma. Despite that win in Bedlam against Oklahoma state, there was something that Ohio State fans can take from these this week's rankings namely the order and the fact that Cincinnati maintained its top 20 ranking these things are very very good they bode well for Ohio State and I'm going to explain first you look at the comparison to LSU Ohio State now has wins against 8, 10 and 13 that's Wisconsin, Penn State and Michigan On the contrary, LSU has wins against 9, 11, and 12. That is Florida, Auburn, and Alabama, who slipped all the way down to 12 from number five, seven total spots. So if you look at the the wins, the top three are almost dead even. Ohio State actually has the best win. Yes, I know. It's been pointed out to me, well, Alabama was without Tua against Auburn. That's why they slipped. Okay, fine. If you really feel the need to point that out, <coughs> Daniel, Josh, or my friends over at College Football Nerds, then I get it. We, we understand. But all that matters is how the committee views these teams right now. And right now, it goes 8-10-13 for Ohio State, 9-11-12 for LSU. But here is, I think, the critical point in deciding here how it goes this week because Ohio state has an extra win against Cincinnati, which only fell a couple of spots to number 20, actually one spot to number 20. What the committee is basically saying is that we think Cincinnati has a quality team. We are not holding it against them for losing on the road against Memphis. And you can't expect that Cincinnati, even if they lose to Memphis this week, is going to drop a whole lot. I actually think Cincinnati has a chance of beating Memphis, although I don't expect it. But even if they lose to Memphis, they're probably still going to be regarded next week as a top 25 win. That is an important distinction for two reasons. Number one, even if LSU gets that win against Georgia, which would be the, probably the best win of the bunch, it's not going to make up for the, the extra top 25 win that Ohio State has it's also not going to make up for the fact that Ohio State is going to have an additional top 10 win against Wisconsin. If you're an LSU fan and you're still needing to cling to the win against Texas as a top 10 win in week two, when it's clear Texas, a 7-5 and five team, is not a top 25 or quality win then your case for number one really isn't very good. If you have to include Texas in the equation, it means you're overcompensating for a lack of distinction between Ohio State and LSU. Don't get me wrong. LSU has a great profile. They're a very good team. But these things matter. Not only is Ohio State a better team, a more complete team, they have been more balanced on both sides of the ball. But they have a comparable resume. Arguably now, an even better resume, arguably. You can still make a case for LSU, but it's close. Ohio State does not have a bad defense, although they did have their worst game of the year against Michigan. But it was against a top 15 team. It wasn't against Ole Miss or Vandy or any of the dregs of the SEC or FCS Northwestern that LSU also played. So Ohio State has the complete resume. I think this tells us, unequivocally, the committee intends to keep Ohio State number one, even if LSU beats Georgia. I don't even think Ohio State has to blow out Wisconsin. And the reason I say that is because why should they? Ohio State already beat this Wisconsin team once by 31. What else do they have to prove? I don't think that they have to blow the roof off. I don't think they have to blow the doors off of Wisconsin this week. They just need to get a win. Now, if LSU goes out and boat races Georgia, let's say 59 to nothing to use a familiar score in championship week, then yeah, I think that's an interesting conversation. Maybe the committee says, okay, we see you LSU. You you just blew out a top five team. Now we have to regard you as a possible number one. I think in that scenario, it makes the conversation interesting. But if Ohio State shows up and wins by 10 or 11 points against Wisconsin, and LSU wins by a touchdown against Georgia, Ohio State will be your number one team in the country. That's pretty much my opinion. I think the the committee also made the statement, putting Cincinnati number 20, by the way, that the winner of the Cincinnati-Memphis game, Memphis being, I think, 17, if memory serves me correctly, that the winner of that game is going to be your group of five representative in the New York Six Bowl games. That winner will probably wind up in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, If you look one spot ahead of Cincinnati, Boise State was 19. Uh, To me, Boise State is screwed. And I, I, I don't say screwed meaning that they're being ripped off because I think it's fine to hold that Cincinnati a two-loss team, given that the extra loss was to number one Ohio State, I think it's perfectly fair to say Cincinnati deserves or would deserve to be ahead of Boise State if they beat Memphis. So I'm perfectly fine with that, but I do think the winner of Memphis and Cincinnati is in as the group of five representative, but I don't see an equation where Boise State gets in. But going back to Ohio State, they've already beat Wisconsin. I don't think that they need to prove anything above and beyond what they've already done other than just simply win the game and you are the number one seed and you will be awaiting the result of the Oklahoma-Baylor and Utah-Oregon games as well as LSU and Georgia. Because if LSU also wins, Georgia is out of there and then the committee has to pick between Utah and the Baylor and Oklahoma winner. I think Utah will stay ahead. They stayed ahead of, win, ahead of Oklahoma this week. I think if they beat Oregon, they will be that fourth team. That's my opinion. I could see, now if Utah loses, well then I think Oklahoma Baylor winner is your de facto number four. But I think Utah will take care of business. In that result, let's say Ohio State, LSU both win. I touched on this a few days ago. I think Ohio State not only will be number one, I think they will be playing in Atlanta for two reasons. Number one, because the committee will want to keep Ohio State much closer to home. Driving from Ohio to Atlanta is a lot easier for fans to get to than expecting them to fly. I know some people think that Ohio State prefers Phoenix, Glendale over Atlanta. That's not true from what I hear. Don't get me wrong, they love The Phoenix area, they love playing out there in the Fiesta Bowl. But I don't think it's a preference. I think they're more than happy to play this game in Atlanta if that's what their committee puts them. So if Ohio State's number one, Utah's number four, I think they put them in Atlanta to give preference to Ohio State and also the fans that would be attending the game, but also to avoid a possible disadvantage with Utah being in the Fiesta Bowl. Even though that's still a 9, 10-hour drive for Utah fans, it's still more likely Utah could make that an uncomfortable dis, disadvantage or equivalent. Let's, just, let's say they could equalize the crowd. We'll put it that way. And so I think the NCAA, or I'm sorry, not the NCAA. This is not run by the NCAA. The college football playoff, I think, would want to eliminate that possibility. So Ohio State wins... I believe what the committee said on Tuesday is that they are your number one team, barring LSU just going out and thumping Georgia by a lopsided number. And if LSU and Ohio State both win, not only will Ohio State be number one, I think they'll get Atlanta, and they would be playing Utah or the Oklahoma Baylor winner in the Peach Bowl. So that is my stance. I think we are getting a lot of clarity now. Three spots, in my estimation, are already decided. Ohio State, LSU, Clemson are in no matter what. I guess if Virginia beats Clemson, you've got an interesting conversation, but I think Clemson would still get in. That would be an interesting conversation, though. Not sure what to make of that. But three spots are decided. At this point, it's just jostling for seating and location. Coming up next, Asher Lowe, host of Locked On Badgers, will join us. We'll preview... The Ohio State Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game. All right, we are back now here on the Locked On Buckeyes. We're doing a crossover episode with Asher Lowe. He is the host of the Locked On Badgers. Asher, appreciate you coming on, man.
1: Of course, excited to talk about the Big Ten Championship.
0: So let me ask you, let me start with this. I saw uh, Chris Orr was talking about how opponents have been mimicking some things that Ohio State has, had done. Against Wisconsin earlier in, earlier in the year when they played, what has min, or what has Wisconsin done, especially with that Wisconsin, with a Minnesota win? What has Wisconsin done to counteract what opponents have tried to uh, I guess replicate the success that Ohio State had against the Badgers? You know,
1: Wisconsin has really mixed things up, especially offensively. I think that's where it starts, Kyle. The biggest difference for this team to me is offense and play calling on offense. You look at Wisconsin's touchdowns against Minnesota. I was talking about this on yesterday's show, how those touchdowns came to be. And a lot of the time, you've always thought of Wisconsin football as, you know, we're going to run the football at you 35 times in a game, and that's what we're going to do. That's who the Badgers are. Well, the touchdowns against Minnesota came on a 47-yard bomb to Quintez Cephas. They came on a wheel route for Jonathan Taylor, where he was matched up with a linebacker. They came on a Kendrick Pryor end around. So literally every single way you can score, Wisconsin scored. And also they dialed up those plays at the exact right times. And we actually saw against Ohio State the first time Aaron Cruikshank in the wildcat. We've seen now Garrett Groschek in the wildcat as well. We've seen Kendrick Pryor and A.J. Taylor taking end around. So really, it's just mixing things up on offense, which Wisconsin from you know week one to now looks like a completely different offensive group. And if you look at the tape, I think teams have a lot more to game plan for now
0: yeah, there was a lot of criticism I, I saw from Badger fans after that first Ohio State meeting that the offense was too conservative, that they they didn't try to keep Ohio State off balance a little bit. Have they have they made a noticeable attempt to change the offense or just change the play calling?
1: I think it's really the second thing, changing the play calling. I don't think you know, the offense completely reinvented itself. I think that Wisconsin is still a run the ball offense. There's still, you know they still have one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the country in Jonathan Taylor. So he's going to be the bread and butter of the offense no matter what. I think the play calling has changed though. I think we've seen, you know, with Wisconsin fans reacting to the play calling against Minnesota versus how they're reacting against Ohio State, there's been so much more positivity surrounding the play calling, surrounding the creativity that we've seen from Paul Chris. And like I mentioned, you know, Wisconsin's doing it in different ways. They had 173 rushing yards against Minnesota, 283 passing yards. So the balance is there and that's what really can keep defenses off balance, even a defense as good as Ohio State's.
0: Asher, watching the Badgers against Minnesota, they really seemed motivated to get a little bit of vindication from that loss last year to Minnesota in the Battle of the X, and it it, it really seemed like a football team that had not lost itself. And, you know, it's, it's easy for a team to have high expectations in the year and lose a couple of disappointing games and then just kind of trail off at the end of the year. But this Wisconsin team – seems to be at its peak as far as motivation and, and really enjoying you know, playing the way the way I've seen them last few weeks.
1: You know, if this team had been 0-10 heading into that Minnesota game, 0-11, I should say, heading into that Minnesota game, there would still be serious motivation. That's how much this game, the Battle for the Axe, means to Wisconsin players. And the way that Minnesota was actually treating the Axe was a big topic of conversation the week leading up. Badger fans and players were not happy that the Axe had become kind of this, like, you know, sales pitch almost for Minnesota football. They were parading it around the state. They were, fans were paying to spend time with the Axe. And that was something that people were talking about a lot leading up to the game, just some added bulletin board material, if you will, some motivation for Wisconsin. But yeah, the motivation is easy when this Badger team is playing Minnesota. But the motivation will also be easy to come by when Wisconsin walks in to Indy on Saturday night.
0: I want to ask you about the past game because I, I've been kind of saying the way I look at this Wisconsin team, it's like Jack Cohn is a good quarterback. And especially if Wisconsin can, I think, get an early lead against Ohio state, he's a good enough quarterback to win that kind of game. But I also think we've seen in the past that you don't want to fall down by a couple touchdowns and, and ask too much from him to have to lead a team back. Where, his, where is he in his development here this season as the, the Badgers quarterback?
1: you know, I totally agree with what you just said about the Badgers falling behind and Jack Cohn not being a guy that can necessarily bring this team back, you know, from a 10-point, 14-point deficit. But then again, who really can against the Ohio State Buckeyes? So back to Jack Cohn, 17 touchdowns, four picks this year. Those four interceptions, that's the big number for Jack Cohn. And when Wisconsin has had success this year, Jack Cohn has protected the football very, very well. You see, you look at the Illinois game, of course, that's the one Wisconsin fans are going to circle as the awful loss this year, you know, over 30-point favorites in that one. Well, what decided the game? A Jack Cone interception at the end was the last of, you know, in, in the trail of many bad plays that led up to that, but it was a Jack Cone interception. So really protecting the ball for the junior is the most important thing for him this year. And it's something he's done very, very well every single time Wisconsin has won. Of course, in a few big moments like that Illinois game, he has thrown a pick fumbled the ball, something of that nature. But his accuracy has been much improved from last year. He looks like a different player in terms of his accuracy and his decision-making and, you know, progressions going through his route progressions. You know, hitting hitting the right person, making the right call, that's something that Jack Cohn has done time and time again this year. He has the talent for him it's about protecting the football. And when Wisconsin is successful, Jack Cohn protects it.
0: Watching the first game against Ohio State, that, that game that was 10 you know, 7, early third quarter, and then just really got away from Wisconsin the rest of the second half. What does Wisconsin have to do better to, to make this a competitive four quarter game and have a chance to beat Ohio State here on Saturday in the Big Ten championship?
1: Wisconsin lost that game. And by the way, that, that actually that throw, that reminds me of a, a Jack Cohn play. That, that throw to make it 10 7 was probably the best throw Jack Cohn has had all year to A.J. Taylor. That was that was an impressive play. So he has the ability to do things like that, special things like that. But Wisconsin lost that game in Columbus in the trenches. They absolutely lost that game on the defensive and offensive lines. And the defensive line, you know, led by guys that are just getting better. True freshman and Keanu Benton has been getting better week after week. Matt Henningsen, a former walk-on, has been getting better on that line. This defensive line played their best game of the year. Isaiah Loudermilk, another name who played very well against Minnesota. They played their best game of the year against the Gophers. And if Wisconsin can continue that success on the defensive line, they'll have a chance in Indy. Of course, the offensive line was probably the weakest point for Wisconsin, you know, maybe the weakest point for Wisconsin in Columbus. And that's also an area that has improved. Jonathan Taylor had no space to do anything against the Buckeyes the first time these two teams met. The Wisconsin line led by you know, Cole Van Lannon, Biadish, guys that are are guys that play consistently well, but struggled against the defensive line of the Buckeyes. And let's give some credit, too, to Chase Young, who, by the way, you know, Badger fans were happy about this, was not being blocked by a lineman for a lot of that game. was being (laughs) blocked by the tight end, Jake Ferguson. So I expect a few adjustments in that category.
0: Yeah, Asher, that decidedly did not work out too well for Wisconsin.
1: No. No, nor, Nor will it ever work out when a tight end is guarding or is trying to block Chase Young.
0: What's the injury uh, status like for the Badgers coming into this game? Ohio State had had a lot of injuries there right around midseason or thereafter, but they've been able to rest my, many of those guys, and they're relatively healthy going to Saturday. What's what's Wisconsin's uh, status like? So
1: if you watch that game against Minnesota, you remember this, the 50-yard touchdown that opened the game Rashad Bateman had? He had that against Samar Melvin, who was a corner that has not started for Wisconsin this year. It's actually been Rashad Wild Goose, who – just picked up a Big Ten honorable mention. He's been very good for Wisconsin. And he right now is questionable headed into this week. So he's probably the number one player I'd watch in terms of Buckeye fans wondering about, you know, who would be key on that Wisconsin defense that isn't healthy right now. Wild Goose, of course, did not play against Minnesota. Melvin actually did a good job in the replacement role after that 50-yard bomb that he gave up. So Rashad Wild Goose is a name I would definitely look to, you know, monitoring his status he's, questionable right now and I really have no leads on whether he's going to play or not at this point
0: we are talking with Asher Lowe the host of the Locked On Badgers podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network we'll be right back here with more discussion about the Ohio State Wisconsin Showdown in the Big Ten Championship this Saturday in Indianapolis all right we are back on Locked On Buckeyes as well as Locked On Badgers Kyle Lamb, Asher Lowe your esteemed hosts here talking Ohio state, Wisconsin, big showdown in the big 10 championship. And Asher, you were just telling me also, you know, here for the lock on Buckeyes, we were asking you about injuries and I think you had an addition you wanted to make. We'll start with that real fast.
1: Yeah. AJ Taylor, actually a guy that, you know, I'm friends with, so I can't leave him out. Uh, But AJ uh, had that catch uh, for the only Wisconsin touchdown and also picked up a leg injury in the second quarter against Minnesota. And he's questionable right now as well as David Mormon, who is a lineman that could be very important for Wisconsin. We'll see if uh, those three guys – so I'll, I'll listen to this question right now. And all three, you know, really not sure if they're going to play or not. Rashad Wild Goose missed, of course, the Minnesota game. Taylor and Mormon both played against Minnesota, but both picked up leg injuries. So we'll see if those two guys play in addition to Wild Goose.
0: So what are your thoughts on this? I've been asking, I've been mentioning this and talking about it all week long on On Buckeyes. I'm curious your your thoughts, because there's a, a delicate balance here. There's, there's two schools of thoughts. There's the one where it says, you know, Ohio State won big earlier in the year. What is the motivation? I, sh- I shouldn't say motivation, but what is uh, the attitude and mindset of a Wisconsin team that knows it was beat badly the first time right. around versus the team that's coming in Will they be cocky? Will they have an overinflated expectation that they can just do it again against a team that they already beat by 31? And then you add in, there's obviously a considerable difference in the environment that they're playing in this week. They'll be indoors on a faster track as opposed to playing in the rain outdoors. I'm curious your thoughts on on balancing these two mindsets and 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 train of thoughts here as to who has the advantage going in.
1: I guess, like, I mean, you mentioned it, you know, on Locked On Badgers on in the interview we had about how Ohio State is winning these games, I just don't – I don't know if you see it. I don't really see Ohio State taking their foot off the gas pedal. It just hasn't been who they are all year. And if, you know, they, they haven't really shown that they're willing to take their foot off the gas pedal, you know, against a team that they feel like they should be in a game that's maybe not as important as it is to the other team. And not to say the Big Ten Championship isn't important, but of course there is more on the line right now, I think, for Wisconsin than for Ohio State in terms of keeping it close especially because, you know, keeping it close is really what Wisconsin needs to get to a Rose bowl right now. So it's really about, you know, even the deficit, not necessarily just about the win or the loss for Wisconsin, but I mean, I, I throw back to you. I mean, I don't think Ohio state is a team that will take their foot off the gas pedal.
0: Yeah, I don't either. And I think, I think there's a, a natural inclination that maybe it, it's harder to maintain that kind of focus and physicality throughout a, a, a really against a tough team. And that could come into play, but you're right. Motivation, I don't think is an issue for either team. You've got Wisconsin who is two spots ahead of Penn state right now. If they keep it close, they've got a really good chance to stay ahead for the Rose bowl race in which they'd probably be playing Wisconsin or be playing Oregon or possibly even Utah. So it's really important for Wisconsin to win this. You want to be big 10 champs and you want to be in the Rose bowl and for Ohio state. I think big 10 is a big goal of theirs. They want to win this game, right? They'd like to be number one seed in the college football playoff and stay undefeated. So, yeah, if it comes down to motivation, I don't think either team has anything to lose here. But you're right. It's just, will Ohio State be able to maintain that focus? And I think that's, for me, what it comes down to. It's, it's not a motivation issue. We talked about that on Lock on Badgers. But it is an issue of just human nature. Will you have an emotional letdown? I looked at this. This is an interesting stat, Asher. I don't know if you saw this on my Twitter timeline. But I looked at the last four conference champions of power conferences that, that had rematches in the second game and it went from an average margin of victory in the regular season meeting of 15 to uh, just two-point margin of victory on average. Wow. wow. So uh, there is a big drop-off in that second meeting quite, you know, fairly frequently. So it, it's tough to maintain uh, what kind of production you had in the early, early meeting.
1: I guess it really comes down to what Wisconsin will we see. And you know, we've seen the same Ohio State all year long, and that is the best team in the country you know, on both sides of the ball. Or one of the best teams in the country on both sides of the ball, if you don't think they're absolutely flat out the best. I I think they are the best. I have I've said that for a long time now. Uh, but which Wisconsin will we see? You know, because the team we saw in Minnesota wasn't good. They were great. And, you know, changes, you know, made on the defensive line, changes in terms of offensive play calling that we've talked about, mixing it up. They're a team that can beat you. They were a team against Minnesota, they could beat you in so many different ways. And that's not something we've said about Wisconsin teams in the past, even good Wisconsin teams, you know, they beat you playing one brand of football. This Wisconsin team seems like they can win in multiple ways when they have everything going, especially offensively. And I talked about you know how much they were mixing it up. So, what Wisconsin will we see on Saturday? I think that really determines it because the Wisconsin we saw, you know, at TCF Bank Stadium last Saturday, is a team that can hang with Ohio State. I think you would agree with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was really impressed the way that game started. The first couple of drives, I'm like, well, Minnesota may blow Wisconsin out of the water, but that turned really quickly, and for the last. Three and a half quarters, Wisconsin looked really good in that game. And for me, Asher, I think the big thing, too, is Wisconsin has to run the ball better than it did the first time against Ohio State. You know, Jonathan Taylor, one of the best backs in the country, probably going to be one of the best backs in the NFL here in a few years. And Wisconsin just, their run game got totally shut down by Ohio State the first time around. I ask you about Jack Cohn and, and being able to win the game while staying ahead, but they need the run game to be clicking on at least more cylinders than it was the first time around. Because if Jonathan Taylor runs for another 30, 40 yards or whatever it was, uh, they're going to get both boat race this weekend.
1: Yeah, he ran for 52 against Ohio State, his season low by quite a bit. 20 carries, 52 yards. That's not going to get it done for JT in this Badger offense, no doubt about it. That's what he ran for in Columbus. And, you know, he rattled off after that some big-time games. You know, had three consecutive 200-yard rushing games against Iowa, Nebraska, and Purdue, all following that 52-yard performance. So things have been clicking for JT. And while he didn't have a huge rushing game against the Gophers, he had probably the biggest offensive play of the game. They really just shifted everything on, you know, a 20-plus-yard touchdown catch on the wheel route but he was matched up with a linebacker. So he can do it in multiple ways as well. And that's something we've been talking about and something I, I would definitely watch for this Saturday is Wisconsin's been using the screen game. They've been using the short pass game especially against Minnesota, especially in the last few weeks. There was a Garrett Groschuk 70-yard screen that set up a JT touchdown run against the Gophers. And against the Blitz, Wisconsin's been using this. And this is something that JT's been doing much better this year, something that has started, you know, summer and fall. People were talking about this, and that is him in the passing game, and his hands have gotten much better this year. So that'll be something as well to watch for, you know, if JT's not necessarily getting it going with his legs.
0: We alluded to the conservative game plan, at least perceived – uh, conservative game plan that wisconsin had against ohio state i i really think you know watching wisconsin teams of the past i it, it was one of the more conservative approaches i thought i've seen against an ohio state team by wisconsin do you expect them to open it up a little bit more and maybe keep ohio state off balance with a lot more misdirection maybe some trick plays that we didn't see as much the first time around
1: oh please 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 <laughs> i mean that was that was about as. Vanilla as it gets in terms of play calling, in terms of what what offense was being run. It was a lot of tailor up the gut for nothing. And, you know, it was a lot of third and longs that Wisconsin can't find themselves in. I think it's so big on first and second down for the way the Badgers play to get seven, eight yards and set up a third and short because this team can convert third and shorts. They're really built to convert third and shorts with their O line who really struggle against the Buckeyes. But I think we'll have a much better day on Saturday in Indy. You know, they're really built to convert on third and short. Third and eight does not favor this team and Jack Cohn, especially doesn't favor Wisconsin when you know that Ohio State's defensive line, led by Chase Young, knows it's a passing down and is going to be coming after him.
0: I thought this was an interesting season for for Wisconsin. And and whatever happens Saturday, I, I put my stamp of approval on it because – Everybody is always looking for somebody else to come out of the West. There was all the hype with Nebraska this season. Of course, Minnesota. Yeah.
1: Nebraska hype was ridiculous. It was. And I,
0: I, I admit I fell for some of it too. I thought they would be a lot better than they were. And of course, Minnesota had a great season, but couldn't get it done at the end. Everybody's always looking for Iowa. The expectation was really high for Purdue this year. It just felt like, From the very beginning, Wisconsin was just taken for granted because they had a a down year last year. So I think uh, also playing into this Saturday is that Wisconsin just still has that little bit of a a redemption. I hate to say redemption tour. I was about to say that, and given the way Michigan has uh, botched their revenge tour, I don't want to call it that, but it does feel like Wisconsin has that something else to prove uh, to try to cap off this year.
1: Well, big game Harbaugh, couldn't finish the redemption tour uh, (laughs) in Madison or at home against against Ohio State. But, you know, Wisconsin and I thought I had, I'm I'm a student, Kyle, so I I get, you know, all the bias you could ever imagine. There's really no more biased fans than students. I'll tell you that right now. And I have some good friends that go to Northwestern. I was hearing Hunter Johnson's going to come in and look like the top quarterback in the nation and win the Big Ten West easily. I was hearing all this stuff about Nebraska and Adrian Martinez and, you know, changing the culture there, bringing back the mid-90s, Nebraska Cornhuskers before I was alive. And, you know, none of it happened. And Wisconsin did what they do, what Paul Chris does. They win. And they win games they should win. And, of course, everyone for Wisconsin will circle, you know, the Illinois loss. And, by the way, that was a fluky game. I want to say that does not define this season. There were so many things, even looking at the box score after that game, that were just weird. Wisconsin outgained Illinois by over 100 yards in that game. Wisconsin had over 10 minutes more of time of possession. They did a lot of badger things. It's just that the result did not turn out the way Wisconsin results usually do. So that was a weird game, kind of an anomaly for this season. And really the litmus test uh, for this season was, you know, in Minnesota. And that was, is this going to be a successful or down year for Wisconsin? And it was a success, you know, all things considered, it was a success. And I throw it back to you about Ohio State. They weren't favored. I think people forget this. I kind of forget this sometimes based on how they've looked. A lot of people didn't have them favored to come out of the Big Ten.
0: We've been talking about that on Tuesday, actually, with Ryan Day winning the coach of the year. And this is crazy because this is the first time an Ohio State coach has won coach of the year in 40 years in the Big Ten. Earl Bruce in 1979 was the last time it happened. And what makes that even more crazy, Asher, is that from 1980 to 1979, Ohio State leads the Big Ten and Big Ten titles won with 14. And that is the first coach of the year they've had. Every single other Big Ten team, including Penn State, who joined in 1991, has had at least two Coach of the Year awards in that time. So you're right. Ohio State being picked third by some people in the division. Uh, <laughs> they, That's crazy. Think yeah, it's it just it, and I hear people it's, it's kind of funny because you hear people say, well, Ohio State is clearly the most talented team. It's like, OK, well, you didn't think that in the preseason poll when you're picking them third in the division.
1: So coaching has to do something. I mean, coaching means something, I guess, then, right? I guess so. It,
0: yeah, it, it, it has, has to. Be, right? <laughs> no, but you're right. It's it's, it's just it's interesting. I do think Ohio State is is one of the most talented teams in the country, obviously. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But I, I think Wisconsin is hungry. I think Ohio State has proven itself hungry all year. And I think that's the difference between Ohio State this year and the last few years. They haven't had that letdown. They've taken every single opponent seriously, and I, th- I think that will continue. It's just a matter of can you match that, that, uh, that excitement level that Wisconsin is going to have trying to play the, the underdog with nothing to lose.
1: Right, and Kyle, we could really be looking at right now a game that the winner goes, and not, not to say Ohio State wouldn't go to the college football playoff anyway, but Wisconsin could easily have a chance right now to be going to the college football playoff with a win had they taken care of business in a letdown game. You said it. That's really the difference between these two programs right now, what makes one elite and one you know just below that elite level. Is no letdowns. Not to mention the fact that when these two teams meet up, he usually goes in the Buckeyes' favor as of recently.
0: I'm curious your opinion on something. Should Ohio State beat Wisconsin this week? What what would be your preference? Would you rather go to the Rose Bowl against an Oregon or a Utah? Or there's some projections I've seen Wisconsin going to the Citrus Bowl against Alabama. Curious your thoughts on that.
1: I'm gonna to be totally self-centered with this response. I'm from Los Angeles. I grew up going to the Rose Bowl. I had UCLA season tickets. You know. RIP me. That was that was those were tough times to watch so much UCLA football <laughs> with Jerry Newhouse and Co. But I had UCLA season tickets for a long time, so I personally would love to see Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. I just I think the name brand. Not to say Alabama doesn't carry a name brand, but Rose Bowl here means something a little bit different. And I think no matter who you're playing in the Citrus Bowl, the Rose Bowl would mean more not only to me because of my Los Angeles roots, but to the fan base here based on what it's meant in the past for Wisconsin. It really turned the program around, winning those Rose Bowls with. Barry Alvarez, and that, that's something that Wisconsin fans will always remember You know, for turning this program around. It all started at the Rose Bowl, and I think that means more to the fans than the Citrus Bowl.
0: Well, I wanted to remind, have you remind your uh, fellow students and, and Wisconsin fans over there. I know some of them were uh, not real happy about the jump around thing in Columbus earlier this year. Remind no. them that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery.
1: Okay, so you guys are all just jealous, I, I guess I have to say. You're all just <laughs> jealous of the jump around tradition? <laughs> <laughs> something like that. I'm jealous of your press box, I got to say, when I, when I visited. I told you that earlier, but, man, it was the nicest press box I've been to. And I haven't been to that many, so I can't really judge. But, but you guys had smoothies out there, so I'm jealous of that.
0: It used to be Frosties. When I was covering Ohio State on a, on a daily beat, it used, they used to have Frosty machines in, inside the press box. Okay, that would have made it next level. That that was awesome. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes they have pizza. They've had uh, Papa John's in there before Domino's uh, you name it. It's it's uh, the amenities at Ohio stadium are are second to none.
1: Very nice. I I, I do agree with that statement for sure. And I wish Wisconsin would do some imitation in terms of press box.
0: (laughs) So you, you wanted to get into final calls predictions. Let's do that. Let's start with you and then I'll get, I'll give mine to wrap things up.
1: I was going to wait to the end of the week, but I feel like it's a, it's a good time to do it on this crossover episode. I think, Wisconsin's going to hang tough, especially for a half. I think Wisconsin has improved in two big ways that, you know, will we'll pay big dividends in this game, and that's in the defensive line and the offensive line. And it's not many new guys coming in. It's not that. It's just improvement of the pieces that were already there. Guys like Keanu Benton and Isaiah Loudermilk on the defensive line just getting better week after week. David Mormon, if he's healthy, he'll be a huge part of that offensive line next to Biotish and Cole Van Lannen. And, you know, Wisconsin's also improved in terms of play calling. Offensive play calling, I think, can keep Wisconsin in this game. It'll be a very differently called game than what Buckeye fans saw from the Badgers in Columbus, or at least I hope it will. And for that reason, I think Wisconsin hangs tough. But at the end of the day, the talent, the five stars, and the difference. I I think – I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm going to say that I'm not 100% sure of these numbers here because I don't have it in front of me. But I talked about this a lot during our uh, Wisconsin-Ohio State Week on Badgers. The first time it happened, but I think it's, there's no five stars. I know for a fact playing for Wisconsin in this game. And I think it was 10, 11, five stars on the roster for Ohio state last time these two teams met. So it's the talent gap that really will just, you know, shine through after four quarters. I think Ohio state wins it by a touchdown. Wisconsin has the ball last, but the Ohio state defense wins the game.
0: We're pretty close. I I, I see the game kind of playing out. Similarly to how you do, I, I think two things will happen differently than the first meeting. I think Wisconsin will have a little more success on the ground. I would expect Taylor to get a little bit closer to 100 than he did the first time around, as you mentioned, just 52. So I think that will have Wisconsin will have that going for them. I also think that Ohio State will have a difficult time running at will as it did the first time around. It really grounded out that game just being able to run all over Wisconsin the last two or three quarters. I don't see that happening again. I think the difference in this game, I think it will be a four-quarter game. I think it'll be close early in that fourth quarter, but I think Ohio State's ability to make big plays is really going to bail them out on the fast track, playing indoors, having the speed advantage. I think they'll get enough big plays to kind of milk this game out and win by a, maybe a 14 to 21 point margin in the end, but I think it'll be a lot closer than the score.
1: I agree. I think, I think the Vegas spread will be covered by the Badgers. You know, I think it was 16 and a half is what it opened at. So, I mean, people aren't expecting it to be as close as I think it will be. I think we agree on that. And, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you one weird X factor for Wisconsin, you know, to close here. I think Zach Hintz, who set a school record, 62-yard field goal, I don't know if you saw the clip, just hit an absolute bomb and has now taken over field goal duties. If this game comes down to a very, very long field goal, Wisconsin looks a lot better than they did back in Columbus because he's now taking over the duty. You never know when this game could come down to kicking.
0: Asher, tell uh, tell folks here listening on Locked on Buckeyes uh, where to find you.
1: Uh, You can find me at ALO underscore 33 on Twitter. And of course, at Locked on Badgers on Twitter. And if you want to plug anything, Kyle, for Locked on Badgers listeners, the Ohio State, I know, podcast network that you have.
0: You can find me on Twitter at kylam eight. I am on Twitter as Locked On Buckeye. That's singular, not Buckeye's. And of course, you can fall, find both podcasts, Locked On Buckeye's and Locked On Badgers, on your favorite podcasting platforms or on the lock, lockedonpodcast.com. Pod, uh, and also, if you're interested in other Ohio sports podcasts, I have run my own network at Unscripted Ohio. You can find that on your favorite podcasting platform at, as well. That'll wrap it up for Locked On Buckeye's today. Thanks again. To Asher Lowe of Locked On Badgers for joining us for this crossover episode and preview of the Big Ten Championship. We will be back tomorrow with more Ohio State football discussion and also a recap of that big Buckeyes Tar Heels showdown coming up in Chapel Hill. That will do it for me. Make sure you check me out. Follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Follow the show at Locked On Buckeyes Singular. As always, tell your friends, family members, whoever you may know that will be interested in hearing daily Ohio State basketball and football coverage here on the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. We are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like I said, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, just to name a few. Many, many other third-party platforms out there that you can hear Locked on Buckeyes. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everybody.